Welcome to Take Note. This is episode 144 of our podcast where mostly we talk about things that we write down in our notebook. We talk about what we use to write things down in those notebooks and we reflect on the thoughts that we capture in those notebooks and the the places they lead and the meanderings and the wanderings. And I do it with Adam. Hello, Adam. Hey, Ted. How's it going? It's going okay. We're above water. We're above water. That's my new... uh, that's my new response. Doesn't mean we're drowning. Doesn't yes, mean you, we're you've been sailing in a hurricane into the before. <laughs> so when you announce you're above water, it makes me think that I'm not aware of uh, of the weather in Houston. <laughs> yeah, check uh, check the news before you interpret my answer. And we're here with a special guest, uh, most famous person I know. Certainly the most famous person I'm related to. It's my sister Ada. Uh, Denison of Main Street Books in Davidson, North Carolina, here to share some thoughts with us. Hello, Ada. Hello, Ted and Adam. Are you above water or are you below water? I'm above water. Good. Breathing air. Um, Well, every show we uh, ask each other, what do you got? That means, what have you captured in your notebook that's uh, of interest or of no interest at all? We'll be the judges of that. Adam, what do you got? All right. This is a note made by Picasso in 1935. In the picture of April 30th, put on the floor a comb containing between its teeth some hairs and some lice on her hair too. And if possible, on her hair some crabs. Pleasant idea to add to the lot. Pleasant idea to add to the lot. And that is from a, it's from New York Review of Books review of a Picasso biography. Are we to understand that he does this kind of thing a lot, where he write, writes down these strange descriptions of his artworks? Yeah, he's, no, he just gets some ideas, like, ah, this one's not weird enough. And maybe a comb with some... A hairy comb with some lice? Maybe a hairy crabs. comb with some crabs. Maybe with crabs. I just love that that's... Say, do you call the hair her? Did I hear that correctly? No, no, uh... Put some lice on her hair, too. And, if possible, on her hair, some crabs. <laughs> and then he refers to all of it as a pleasant idea. <laughs> what do you got, Ted? Did you, did, did you, the, the image that you texted me not too long ago of, of that quote typed out, was that your typing or was that some, from another source? That was, that was my typing. It was I, beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Tell me more about that practice. This is not practice. Uh, we've, we've. Re, re, we've cleaned some of our old typewriters we've purchased a couple of typewriters uh, I think what we've learned is that uh, 20 years ago or so my wife bought me a typewriter when I graduated from college and um, somewhere along the way it, suddenly I had four typewriters and I always remembered it as I was collecting typewriters but I think what was actually happening was my wife was buying me typewriters because she likes having them around but not using them and so it's back we got typewriters we're all typing things sunroof so you have four typewriters four family members we got five typewriters but we got the dog too yep (laughs) (laughs) what do you got all right i was uh i was at the grocery store was in the uh, the ice cream aisle. I wasn't buying any ice cream. I was. I like to check to see if Jenny's ice cream is still offered in in Houston because it was very exciting when it was here, and then it was like eleven dollars a 
a pint, so I just have made it like a little business study since then. Anyway, uh, that explains why I was in the ice cream section. But while I was there, there's a little family, a, a mom and her daughter. The mom was selecting ice cream. She she pulled some out and put it in her cart, and a little daughter who was maybe, you know, two years old said, Oh, mommy, that ice cream, ice cream. And the mommy said, Mm-hmm, that's mommy's ice cream. What do you got, Adam? <laughs> well, I, I've got an, first. I've got an ice cream question for both of you. This is a real ice cream. Ice ice cream. This is a real ice cream question that came up today, because Jennifer, um, when not buying typewriters, occasionally goes to the grocery store, and I believe we needed the limes today. We're subsisting on limes and typewriters over here. Uh, it but, keeps you from getting scurvy. Yep, yep, yep. But there was, and this is not this 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 is not my what do you got. Just mm-hmm. for the record, let's just make yeah. that clear. This is just an ice cream question for the two of you. Yeah. So um, there was a uh, there was a sale on the ice cream on the pints, the Ben and Jerry's pints. Uh, if you buy five, it's, <laughs> uh, which is not a number of that's, ice cream pints that we've ever bought before. That's not a sale. That's purchasing wholesale. Right. I think yes. at that point. Now uh, you've yes. become a distributor. <laughs> so. Um, Jennifer realized that, um, you know, the, the discounts on five, she did the self checkout and she accidentally only scanned four. She ended up paying more for four than she would have for five, <laughs> but she just wasn't going to go and deal with the customer service and it was fine. And so well, we see what, what you yeah. didn't realize though, this is how you ended up with the, that dang fifth typewriter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you we were just, stop it for. we were discussing at dinner tonight. Do you think my wife stole a pint of ice cream. Mm. I don't understand the logic of how buying four means she stole one. She bought five. What? She, she we took five, five, but she scanned four. Oh. But oh. paid more than she would have if she'd scanned the fifth. Uh, no, then no. not st- Yeah, that's, wow. Freshman, freshman philosophy class question right there. What do you think, Ada? I mean, their inventory numbers are going to be off. That's what I said. <laughs> that's all I... That's having come from... I'm fresh off accounting things. That inventory number is going to be off. That's going to come right. up in the discrepancy report. Bond company stooge is going to be all over them for that one. Right. Well, our- I'm guessing that that fifth pint of ice cream is going to taste extra delicious. <laughs> yeah, it did. We ate them all tonight. No, we didn't. <laughs> um... <laughs> All right, so here's my here's my what do you got? I guess it's long. Uh, this is a this is a quote from an article I read that I liked. Uh, Sam Harris, philosopher, declares on, that on close inspection, it's not merely that free will is an illusion, but that the illusion of free will is itself an illusion. Watch yourself closely, and you don't even seem to be free. This is an idea with roots in Buddhism and echoed by others, including the philosopher David Hume. When you look within, there's no trace of an internal commanding officer autonomously issuing decisions. There's only mental activity flowing on. Or as Arthur Rimbaud wrote in a letter to a friend in 1871, I am a spectator at the unfolding of my thought. I watch it. I listen to it. And uh, it's from Oliver Berkman's article, The Clockwork Universe, from a few years ago, which begins with the vile, threatening letters and death threats received 
by philosophers who deny free will. <laughs> what do you got, Ted? <laughs> <laughs> oh, remember when I said that I was I was above water a few minutes ago? <laughs> um, okay, let's see. I'm reading Angela's Ashes by by Frank McCourt. Uh, really? And e- and each time I spend a bit of a bit of my day reading Angela's Ashes. I spend the subsequent 36 hours speaking in a bad Irish brogue, much as I'm doing right now. And I was describing this phenomenon to a friend of mine, and he assured me the accents may change, but the the tedious personality abides. <laughs> it's quite a good book. It's very very sad book. Very sad book. I assume uh, it attempt to make these... Uh make these voices uh, all throughout his childhood. When did this behavior he start? Did. Yeah. I don't know. He was probably like 11. If I had to guess. I imagine that would be very frustrating. <laughs> I, my wife, I, I, I think, my wife tends to, you know, every three months or so, she'll just be like, who are you doing this for? What is this? <laughs> Nobody is asking for this. Nobody wants this. Hit reset. <laughs> <laughs> Just. All right, Ada, you're up. What do, what do I you got? got? Um, I have been writing in a uh, book journal, keeping track of what I've been reading. And it's got a prompt for memorable quotes, which I don't always pull out. But one book I've read that's coming out in May is called You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by Akweki Amezi. This quote I wrote down, since we're quoting things. Mm-hmm. Um, Faye picked up her fork and started thinking about what she could make for this woman who had a dead girl seeding of madness in the hollow of her heart. I just really oh, liked that gosh. line. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, that's, re- that's real in line with Angela's ashes, be honest with you. Uh-huh. Um, I, I like is, the title. Like yeah. The title's just amazing, too. It's, um, it's a romance, but... <laughs> oh, is he going to kiss her in the end? It's really, really good. This is the first romance that they have written, and... Uh, I think that this author is probably writing like something in every genre this year, but um, it's really wow. literary romance. Um, anyway, so it was really fun to read. It was, and that's coming out in May, you say? Yes, you make a fool of that's death good. with your beauty. So you're making Adam feel just extraordinarily jealous of your early access to these. I hope these so. Works. You are. Yes. Yeah. Um, what's uh, what's the news from the bookstore besides you so today, doing inventory? Apparently, I um, it's been sunny after some really wintry weather, and I sat on front of the bookstore. Actually, wasn't right right in front of the bookstore. Right next to us is the coffee shop, and they have tables out front. So in the sunshine this morning, I did I just set up shop with my laptop and um, forgot, but remembered. As I sat there for a couple hours, that um, 
it's really interesting to listen to and watch people walk past your own store when <laughs> they have no idea who you are. <laughs> um, and it, we had a lot of foot traffic in town today because it was a nice day for being out and about, but it's a slow month usually, and it, it, it is this week too. But um, there were a lot of folks who were not from Davidson. You could tell because they'd walk past the coffee shop and say, oh, I've heard that place was here. I think they're good or whatever. So they're just sort of giving this running commentary as they walk down. I mean, one direct quote as this, I mean, almost everyone was probably over 60, carrying shopping bags and whatnot. She looks at the bookstore and says, oh, a bookstore. Oh, I have so many books I need to get rid of. <laughs> so that was <laughs> another woman. She was a bit younger, walked past with a friend and said, oh, I just love supporting, in, you know, local bookstores i just love it so much i just don't like buying books <laughs> like, this is really like direct quotes from today i mean that was those were the two memorable ones a couple people walked in but um well your, it was very your job i mean it just put in focus that your job is to get people to buy books even if they clearly don't want to so we put stickers in view of the door. Uh, what did the stickers non, say? Non, books? Non-book products. Uh, yeah, non-book products. Stickers oh, are the like new enamel pin. Nice. Or the new sock. Mm. Although we sell a lot nice. of socks too, but stickers are just flying off the shelf. Like vinyl stickers, you know, like little graphic yeah. designs and oh, People have got laptops. And uh, we, water bottles. I, I have an SUV that, yeah, water bottles that... Uh, you should sell SUVs, Ada. <laughs> I well, I decided to make it a sticker, a sticker car. So mm-hmm. I, I throw a bunch of stickers on there, and I let the kids do it every now and again. Well, you and uh, my seven-year-old has started, you know, just taking like the sticker off a piece of fruit and sticking it onto <laughs> the car. And nice. The sticker, you know, from some cantaloupe is on there. I had to. To tell them there's a little bit of curation that goes on here. I know it seems chaotic, but actually this is <laughs> some this is my sticker here, card, my... kids. I put the stickers on. Ada, I think if you could get the folks of Davidson into this sticker car trend, you could really sell some stickers. <laughs> yeah, I feel Maybe like I'll... the books blur them in, and then the, then you sell the stickers once you get them in the store. <laughs> Okay, I'll put books back in front of the view when you walk in. Well, is there is there hot book trend news that we need to know about as as literary types ourselves to make us sound smart to other people? Well, I heard there was a um, spring book preview request, so we've been yes. we've been reading, and I really do think that um, this particular romance. You know, romances, they, they have happy endings. That's really the only thing that makes them all the same. And this, You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty, is really good. Um, it's an artist whose brother dies when they're both in their early 20s. That happens before the book opens. Um, but she's 
really focused on her work and decides to get back out there and socialize. And so it's about um, getting kind of swept off of her feet by someone. And then as they get more involved, you know, there's a twist. Um, Anyway, it promises a happy ending. That's the whole hook. That's why romances are pandemic sort of balm. Is there a special sticker that they put on it just to ensure everyone knows there will be a happy ending? Is there? Well, it it sits on a shelf called romance. (laughs) Okay, so okay, yeah. So I have I have a sincere question about that that is going to maybe sound like a joke, but like. Do you not need, like, does it, do you not, you don't need a table that says, like, happy ending books. People that walk into a bookstore know to buy romances because they have happy endings. Like, you, you, you just said that the happy ending is part of what makes it a romance or it is what makes it a romance. And that had never occurred to me before. I don't know if I thought um, everybody was falling in love and dying in the end of romances, but do, is the thing that most people realize that so you don't have to advertise it? Um, that's a great question that I don't really know the answer to because it's something that, because I wasn't a really big romance reader until the last couple of years that I didn't really know as the definition either. Um, there's a little bit more to it. I mean, there's always a love story, but they're not always steamy. Um, there's a whole wide variety. That's good. The whole big spectrum. (laughs) Um, and I don't, so I don't want Adam to get uncomfortable. <laughs> reading. And so, um, but the, you know, romance readers make up, you know, probably the biggest subset of readers in the country. They certainly buy more books than any other subset. And they also buy all sorts of other books and they borrow books from the library in droves. So I think that the answer is sort of yes, because there's so many of them that understand why they're reading romances, but right. um, but they're not a lot of us themselves to that experience. No, no. That's so, um, very interesting. I knew someone who would read the same romance books over and over and over. I haven't reached that level yet. <laughs> It was uh, no, it was, it was the way you know I like watched movies in college where it was just like, you know, raising Arizona again just to have something fill it. But she would read romance novels. It was fascinating. Yeah, not, raising Arizona is a re- that's a romance. <laughs> I can't remember the ending of it. I, no, I think they they go off into the sunset together. I think. Now my only criteria for something being a romance is if it has a happy ending. I think I flipped <laughs> the logic up a little bit. I thought you were going to say if it has John Goodman in it. <laughs> I have a spring book question. Spring book yeah. preview. Spring book preview. Um, all right, so the two books that I think I am most looking forward to in the next couple of months um, come out in a few days on the same day. Marlon James, Moonwitch mm. Spider Kingdom, mm-hmm. and Sheila Hetty's Pure Color. So, Indeed. which book did Main Street Books and Davidson order more of? Or which will sell more? Um, Sheila Hetty. Okay. Is, I got it. Yeah. 
is that is that just like a genre thing or an author thing or is it that the marlon james is a sequel or help us understand um, the book trends it's oh that's a great question i think it's just because our staff and actually i don't know that anyone's read this one either of those yet but i think our staff would recommend would have read and recommended Sheila Hetty for sure got it i can just i know and i don't know that anyone's really become you know a marlon james sort of hand seller evangelist which is just a taste thing you know we're a yeah it's yeah, just I'm a small sample of readers. Him. You're not you can get him to visit. That would be fun. Yeah. I, I've come to really love Marlon James just as a, a commentator on literature and writing. Mm-hmm. He's so fun. I uh, I really love Sheila Hetty. I think the, the Motherhood is just like this amazing book that shouldn't necessarily have appealed to me. Like I don't, I'm probably not the demographic for it, but mm-hmm. I just think it's it was brilliant the thing with the marlon james book i'm i am excited about it but i it is the second one the last one came out i think in 20 the first one came out in 2019 and and the whole deal with it is that it is like not it is a sequel but it's not what happens next it's supposed to be the the same story from a completely different point of view and i assume it's not the Mm -hmm. exact same story but it's the same events taking place from a totally different point of view and I wonder if having read that, like, 600-page book three years ago, if I'm going to appreciate, because um, I don't necessarily remember it, the, the this different take or this different view on the same events from uh, three years ago. Yeah, no, that sounds like my ideal kind of rereading. I've read reread, like, probably five books in my life. And um, probably hearing the or reading the story again from somebody else's perspective sounds way more intriguing and I say I I mean I could be totally wrong about I'm actually just scrolling through our like orders (laughs) and we may have actually got more of Marlon James coming and I'm speaking and my sort of impulse answer was to coming straight from my own personal bias because we do have a big stack of Marlon James coming for sure. Oh really? Um, but yeah, I, cover. Hmm? Has a great cover. Yeah, and the it's complimentary to the last one, right? Yeah. Yep. Totally. I yeah, was, they're great covers. I was just looking up that cover artist uh before we recorded too. I needed, I wanted to try to find his name. Um I did find his name, but I don't have it in front of me now. Yeah, that cover is amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to both of those. Um, Emily St. John Mandel has Sea of Tranquility coming out. And I did read that one. And that one is like in conversation with Glass Hotel, which was her novel that came out, like, I guess, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh Uh-huh. And honestly, I mean, I do really love her, but have not really read her whole backlist. Um, so I didn't read Glass Hotel, but it's really, she's, she does a lot of like, there's no sequels, 
but she pulls in characters fully from one book oh, cool. to another. Um, so, of course, she's the author of Station Eleven. Um, and I took more notes. I don't really take notes when I read that often, but I had to, like, write all over this to keep track, which was not a bad thing. And ultimately, she's, like, asking this question, you know, like, what is reality? So there's some, like, time travel. It's set, like, 200 years in the future. We've colonized the moon. We're trying to colonize way far out. And um, the protagonist, one of the initial protagonists is an author on book tour. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, it, it was really good. Um, and that one comes does out the, in April. Does the Station Eleven TV show does that sell a lot of books? Like I would it has definitely um, revived interest. It okay. Station Eleven is one that we um, sold the heck out of. It had come out before we bought the bookstore. So I had read it before becoming a bookseller but and so it made it like easier easy for me to just have that on hand because jumping into this whole business thing I really didn't know what I was doing and keeping track of what was coming out in the future was not on my radar (laughs) I sold a bunch of station 11 just but yes when you opened the store did you only have station 11 on the shelves (laughs) because I'm starting to get that feeling sorry but the only thing I love buying books, but I already have a copy of Station Eleven, so I'll just take one of those stickers, please. <laughs> well, you uh, you carry a new product now that uh, you you alerted me to, uh, as our listeners may find out why. But uh, do you want to do you want to catch us up on this new development? Yeah. So we um, just did a big restock of all of our journals and notepads from um here the wholesaler is Execlair and they import the Rhodia and Clairefontaine papers for us and amazing products yeah and we have just a really great sales rep Dan and so um he just thought we should try I mean they're great people our customers love them we sell through all of our orders, he thought we should try this um, pen, which we were happy to do. We don't have pens to speak of. We have kind of novelty pens, I should say, like for kids and stuff. You don't um, want to encourage people to write in the books. <laughs> um, anyway, the so we've got this Herbin pen or Herbin, if you will. But how would... Um, how would uh... Angela's ashes say it. <laughs> <laughs> or some J. Herbeen would probably be how they said it. It used to be J. Herbeen, but now I'm seeing only Herbin, Herbin. without the J. I don't know where the J went. Mm. Okay, interesting. Go on. It's so a pen from they them. have a lot of fountain pens, but we're we're starting off with their rollerball, and it's um, a compact pen. It's refillable. And in fact, it comes empty, which may be something huh. that um, 
is more typical with fountain pens. That's not been our experience with selling pens is that they come empty. <laughs> but yeah, huh. um, they have these super cute little ink cartridges. So you unscrew. It's got a translucent body. It's very short and the barrel is fairly wide um, and just like a little snap on cap. And it's good looking and it feels it, good. It does look really cool. Um, and I mean, it, it writes well. I, I put the black ink into the pen. We have blue ink um, available. Honestly, I need to slight. Um, I have a black ink that's like a sample. The rest that's for sale are blue, so I haven't tried the blue. I don't really want to crack one of those open, but um, it's already cracked. So, what open. is the um, what is the price point of this? Okay, so the ball pen. the this pen is twelve dollars. Then you buy a tin that has six ink cartridges in it for six dollars. And you have to buy the tin, of course, to start. Yeah. So your starter investment is $18, and then you have five more ink cartridges um, to go. It's, I think, I mean, it sounds like the think being thoughtful about your ink cartridges and understanding that the ink comes from the company as well sounds fun to me. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea. I, I really like the idea that there's only one pen that you sell, and it's like mm, this is mm-hmm. this is our favorite pen, so we only sell this one. You're gonna love it. Probably when... better than only selling one book. <laughs> oh, got Station Eleven yeah. and this one pen. Please don't write there in the books. There is a bookstore in Japan that only sells one book at a time. Oh they yeah, change it every month. Right. Oh my gosh. They sell 800 pens though. It's, it's <laughs> very very counterintuitive. No, I think that's cool. I mean, you know, there's 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 plenty of $3 pens you can buy that are are cooler than your average junkie pen. But, you know, there's not I don't think a sense that the you know, that the cartridges are interesting or that they're particularly reloadable. They are if you, you know, order them from Jet Pens especially, but it's not like the you know, it's not like the pen companies care whether you reload them or not. Gotcha. But um, I think you've. I think this is a really compelling um, selection. Now, the what I know, Helpine from, and yes, and their URL is J Helpine. So yes, I'm not you're crazy, right. Yeah. But obviously, they've streamlined their branding a little bit. But um, I've known them for their inks, and those are, you know, like I got I got a bottle of <clears throat> ink from them and a. French stationery store, mm. you know, on the right bank that sold all kinds of old school things. So there's a kind of, you know, legacy of fountain pen inks. So I think the connection to the rechargeable and selling the refills kind of is in line with that history a little bit. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. So what, trying to it, capture that you... in the space, obviously our booksellers can talk to people about them but capturing that in the space is the little bit of a puzzle for us so we were literally I mean we've had them for a few days and hadn't put Mm -hmm. them out yet partly because there's all you know there is some thought that goes into 
what makes for a compelling little pen display. Yeah. And, you know, Jennifer was like figuring out what little container would make them look nice and all of that. And I, this is one of our booksellers. And um, <laughs> we were like, but she was like, okay, but are, are they going to, do we need paper? I was like, of course. Like, yes. The, yes. the pen people, the pen people are going to want to write with the pen. Of course. Yes. Um, or they might be carrying their own notebooks that they can test. True. It um, so as far as the shopping experience goes, like what do, what, what do we need to know? I would you say avo- avoid having the little, the little post-it note size scrap of paper where everybody just does a little squiggle. Mm-hmm. You know, pick a nice... Claire Fontaine book that lays flat and mm-hmm. that it's really nice paper. And so they'll be able to have a little better experience with the ink and they'll, you know, I think when people are, when, when people get into pens and if you're, you know, if you're saying this is a worth an $18 experience, when they experience the paper with a nicer pen, that's when things start to click. So I think that would certainly be something you want to offer. And Claire Fontaine and Rodia all have really nice paper. Mm-hmm. And great price points. Yeah, exactly. So, so lay out a notebook that lays flat. That's also very satisfying. Not like a pad, because that feels, I think, more transactional and scratchy. You know, give people a sense that they can write a little message or something. Mm, a little guest book. A little You could even do like a guest something, book. Something, you know, a log. Hmm. I like that idea. You could do a little prompt on there, like, mm-hmm. you know. What's your favorite, what, what book did you just read or what's your favorite book or something? Hmm. A lot of people reading The Quick Brown Fox. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I always think is really boring. You know, when someone's like on Instagram showing off their fancy pen and then they just draw five lines and then they do five hashes and then they do these little up and down swirls. I'm like, yeah, write me. You can think of something to write. Um, you know, I don't I wonder if people would actually do that in a retail setting, but. Oh yeah, they would. We used to keep a typewriter out and people write all kinds of stuff in that. Well, the, I think that whole tester situation, being able to test it, I, I I guess that's probably like unavoidable. But since you only sell one pen, right, it really doesn't. If somebody wants a pen, that's the pen they're going to buy there. I mean, sure. I guess you have to offer the tester. But I kind of like, see, I, I like leaning on the this is the only one we sell because Just this is it. the one we like. And putting it on, like, keeping do you have a, a shelf where there's like um, bookseller recommendations where mm-hmm. uh, the bookseller has written something about the book and like why mm-hmm. they recommend it? So I think like where you'd have one of those books, put your, um, I don't know, jam jar of pens and uh, and have something written there and like make that case that like this is the only pen we sell because this is, <laughs> you know, this is the one we love. <laughs> and Dan recommended it. i love that that's a great idea that is a great idea duly noted that's what we call the show duly noted (laughs) (laughs) well is there anything uh from a practical standpoint that that uh that selling a pen brings up for you as opposed to things made of paper so in the early days of the bookstore, especially before we renovated, the space had more of a used bookstore feel. So when people would come in and the books were all new and full price and everything, 
we got a lot more pushback um, about prices. Like, what? Um, and we've definitely come into our own and don't really experience that kind of pushback. And even if we do, it's just we you know fully believe in investing in new books. So to each their own. With this, I feel like maybe it's kind of like, I'm not suggesting that, well, the feeling is more like, okay, a little bit of um, uncertainty about how to talk about pens that are expensive in a way that's reassuring, I guess, to whoever's looking at them and wondering and I suppose that's going to happen more with people who just stumble across them who aren't like pen aficionados. Right. Um, that's, that's kind of not the... an expensive pen. Right. Um, in fact, I've, I <laughs> okay. bought a $20 okay. pen in a bookstore in an independent bookstore. So that's not even like that, that at that at $18, I remember at the literati books in uh, oh, yeah. Ann Arbor, I bought an Odo book. They have a they have a typewriter too, but I bought an Odo pen for twenty dollars, and it's like our one of our favorite pens in this house. We love that Odo pen. I don't know where it is. My wife probably stole it, um, but but that is not that's not an expensive pen, and it's not even an expensive rollerball because the like the New York Magazine called the Baron Fig pen the 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 best mm-hmm. the best pen you can buy. And I'm thinking about this because uh, the coffee shop. That I go to some guy I was like, oh, you're into pens and pencils. I was thinking of getting this pen, but it's supposed to be the best pen. But it's and I was like, oh, Baron Fig, and he's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a fifty dollar <laughs> pen. Like, yeah, that's weirdo, buy. Yeah, <laughs> but so it's. I mean, it's not an expensive pen. I don't know how you kind of like make that case to somebody because to some people, a three dollar pen uh, is going to be an expensive pen too. Um, but I mean, yeah. maybe just I knowing mean, that it's not an expensive pen. I think. I think the fact that it's. A an an old French company yeah. is in your corner. You Did know, you take a you, selfie think, of yourself in front of that shop by any chance? No, I wish I. I <laughs> you could probably purloin some of their <laughs> images, but it, I I think if you could re- quickly relay that to a customer, oh, it's well, you know, it's just a really, it's an entry level pen from a really renowned old French stationery yeah, company, you know, kind of letting them know that like they'll actually enjoy themselves more using this pen than they would your average junky pen. And it's like a doorway into a little new world, perhaps, for some yeah. people. If they have too much money in their bank account <laughs> or spend time on meaningful, important things, then here's something that can... Then you can send them our way, and that's our pipeline for uh, for our listener base, and uh, <laughs> it's all taken care of. We'll put a little well, QR listen, code for the it. podcast. <laughs> people it's people like a... a nice thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I also, I, I know on on the show before, I don't know, years ago, uh, I I said that like those transparent pens or those translucent pens, those are like great um, like for like a graduation gift. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's like a good gift pen. It's good for like um, a yeah. younger person who's also like, I, I just think there's something you know, interesting about being able to see inside them. So like a, a younger person who might want something slightly nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But That's yeah, a lean, great lean idea. On that French stuff. 
Yeah, we will. Yeah, we'll just lean on the French thing. Yeah. Well, cool. it's been a pleasure having you, Ada. It's not your first time. Hope to have you on in another 130 episodes. <laughs> Again. Uh, all the best to the bookstore. Thanks, and tell your listeners they can keep using that code. Take Did you note. repeat that again for us? They can still use the Take Note 20 code on the Main Street Books Davidson.com website when they place a book order, and we will extend a 20% discount. Um, super. Well, you can find us on the internet at takenote.space. That is a website. Doesn't sound like it's a website, but it is. Uh, we're on Twitter at twitter.com slash takenotepod. And of course, you can go buy all of your books from an independent bookseller at mainstreetbooksdavidson.com. In the meantime, take care.